Hi guys, welcome to another Monday morning episode of History of a Haunting. I am Carrie. And I'm Laura. Are, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I had accidentally muted myself because the dog with the toys again. The dog with the toys and mm. our co-co-host Humphrey. <laughs> he thinks so anyway. I mean, he's super cute. I'd hire him in a heartbeat. Uh, all right, guys, this is our snack size episode for the week. Every Monday morning, we bring you a teeny tiny little dollop of weird history to get your week started off right and, well, weird. And this week is my turn. Last week, Laura dazzled us with Mad Hatters. And um, I loved it. That was a good one. I was like, well, how the fuck do I top that? As per usual, quit knocking them out of the park, if you don't mind. <laughs> hey, I had to follow, what was it, Einstein's brain? Oh. That was a, that was a, that that, was a great episode. That was a good one. Thank you. Thank you. That was so a good one. I mean, you, you raised the bar each time, so now we're just in competition with each other. <laughs> um, this week, I am going to tell you, Laura and listeners, all, right. all about supernatural laws and these are legitimate laws in the united states and around the world that are i was like these aren't real turns out yeah they're actually real um so (laughs) uh my yeah for sure um my source for this week is um historydaily.org So there are certain laws that most of us obey or at least try to follow in our day-to-day lives. We don't drive recklessly, steal, kill people, etc. It would be nice to have magic powers that exempt us from the law, but it turns out even those people or creatures are legally limited as well. So depending on where you live, you may be governed by laws to keep witches out of the sky or hunters from shooting an unsuspecting Bigfoot. So stay off your broom and don't try to sell any haunted houses. So the first law is endangered big feet. So if you wanna become a star on the supernatural scene, the best thing you can do is nab yourself a Bigfoot. These wild and woolly creatures are known for appearing and disappearing at will in the woods of the Pacific Northwest, which lowers your chances considerably, and not just because of the creature's elusive nature. In Skamania County, Washington, one of the best places to find a Bigfoot, killing the, air quote, endangered animal, is punishable (laughs) by a $1,000 fine, a year in jail, or possibly both. The law was passed at the height of the Bigfoot craze in 1969, but it was still a pressing enough concern in 1984 to expand the law, though it's not exactly clear how the law was expanded. But it does seem pretty comprehensive. (laughs) So you cannot kill a Bigfoot. Uh, The second law is space quarantine. So the last year of that mellow decade of uh, the 60s was generally a real moment for believers in the paranormal. Anyone coming to Earth between 1969 and 1977, primarily Terran astronauts, 
but theoretically, quote, any person, property, animal, or other life form or matter who or which has been extraterrestrially exposed was forced into strict quarantine to, quote, guard the earth against any harmful contamination resulting from personnel, spacecraft, and any other property returning to the earth after landing on or coming within the atmospheric envelope of a celestial body. So (laughs) the purpose of this law was mostly to make sure that returning astronauts were not bringing any organisms back to Earth that could put humans in danger. But it could come in handy when the gray invaders land, assuming they respect our laws. Right? Sorry, you guys got to go in this tent real quick. Right? Um... The next law. So did they quarantine everybody when they came back? Um, you know, know, it didn't say. It does oh. appear that they did. Um, especially the when they came back from landing on the moon, they wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that they weren't bringing back any weird organisms. Um, and if they were, then of course, then those were collected and kept. I, I don't know, in some secret bunker somewhere to make sure that it wasn't, you know going to turn around and eat everybody's faces off, I guess. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. I can dig it. Right? (laughs) Um, So space quarantine is a thing. I'm just wondering if uh, Jeff Bezos and all of his buddies that are going up there and bobbing up and down for 10 minutes, if they then have to get into a space quarantine or if they're not going too far out of the stratosphere to make any difference. I don't know. I don't. Well, probably not because they're just yeah not going that far. But they're not going that maybe far. Maybe the Dick spaceship has a prophylactic. We don't know about. I mean, maybe it's it does. Protected. Maybe yeah. yeah. Um, the next law is no fake witches. So, unlike most supernatural phenomena, witchcraft has a long history with the law, as we know, with that whole stake burning thing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whole trial thing. That whole thing. Um, But it wasn't limited to Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, You know, I love a good Tudor England story. So in 1542, Henry VIII passed an act which defined witchcraft as a felony. Anyone caught conjuring spirits, invoking anything from beyond, or carrying out sorcery could have their goods and valuables confiscated. So by 1597, A conviction of black magic could mean a death sentence, which, not surprising. Intriguingly, the number of witch-related crimes dropped following a third witchcraft-related act in 1604, which forbade the use of torture to extract confessions. Now, by 1735, the Commonwealth's position on witchcraft had shifted radically, but no less legally. That year, Henry VIII's act was repealed in favor of a law punishing only those who pretended to have magical powers, but couldn't deliver when asked to. So anyone claiming to have the the ability to cast spells, see the future, or speak with the dead but couldn't prove it was fined or, in particularly egregious cases, imprisoned. Um, those who could were presumably let go. Now, the Witchcraft Act of 1735 
lasted over 200 years before it was replaced by the Fraudulent Mediums Act of 1951, which prohibited upstart scam artists from charging money for psychic readings, although, again, legitimate psychics were theoretically legal. Interesting. Right? These, the fact that these are actual laws is, like, so amusing to yeah, me. Yeah, the best. Yeah. Um, the next one, psychic permits. So, on the American side of the Atlantic, governments are a lot more chill about the occult these days. <laughs> <laughs> At least in that they don't burn anyone to death anymore. What they do require is a lot of paperwork, however. If you want to set up a fortune-telling practice in San Francisco, which is where you'd want to do that, you're going to need a permit. That extends to all manner of mediumship, from tarot reading to necromancy. The good news is, once you have the permit, you can speak to the dead however you like. You can remove curses, deliver prophecies, perform general medium work, practice astrology, and read palms. The bad news is, if you don't actually have the ability to tell the future by speaking with the dead, you still have to get a permit. (laughs) (laughs) The next one is Haitian Zombies. Now, when you hear the word zombie, you probably think of the undead former humans with a hunger for brains. But that's not the kind of zombie that Haiti was interested in legislating in 1883. It was believed in the voodoo tradition that a practitioner could induce a zombie-like state in their target through magic. And although it was almost definitely just poison, it was such a big problem that Act 426 decreed that anyone using, quote, substances which, without giving death, will cause a more or less prolonged state of lethargy could be tried for murder. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) so no more roofies, no more roofies, guys. Uh, the last one is my favorite, the haunted house law. So nobody wants to live out the Amityville horror, right? Uh, that's why nine states require real estate agents to disclose any deaths that have occurred on the property. And some states specifically require disclosure of any quote, unnatural desks, desks. No. Desks? (laughs) Desks? <laughs> really? I hate those unnatural desks. <laughs> they, I mean, the plywood, it's just disturbing. Right. Unnatural deaths. For example, those most likely to cause a haunting. Now, California requires the disclosure of both the number and manner of deaths on the property, but only those that occurred within the previous three years, as ghosts are famously respectful of statutes of limitations. (laughs) If that were the case, David Oman would not have an infamously haunted house. Um, So granted, most of these laws have less to do with the spectral nuisances and more with a neighborhood's crime rate. But four states do have laws regulating haunted real estate in New York, a home, which, by the way, was where the Amityville house was located. Mm-hmm. A home sale can be rescinded if the seller, quote, creates and perpetuates a reputation that the house is haunted and doesn't explain that to the buyer. 
The same goes for New Jersey, but only if the buyer asks. So be sure to bring it up constantly on your Garden State house hunts. (laughs) Nobody's actually going to think you're weird. On the other hand, Massachusetts and Minnesota state law explicitly allows anyone to sell you a haunted house, no disclaimer necessary. It's always cold there anyway, so how will you even know? Right. (laughs) And that are the legit supernatural laws here and in England. (laughs) Those are great. Thank you. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah, I thought that was pretty crazy. I was like, what? There's actually laws? The Bigfoot one. Um, and then, of course, the haunted house ones are my two favorite. So don't go shooting yeah, any good. big feet. And I think that's what made me laugh the most is that, you know, I mean, obviously the plural Bigfoot is big feet, but still, I just thought it was mm-hmm. funny. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. There is a really cool uh, website. That you can go to. It is a legitimate website. It does not tell you if the house is haunted. I mean, it may, but it's called diedinhouse.com. And um, for a fairly cheap subscription, I think it's like $2.99 a month, you can plug in any address in the United States that you may be thinking of buying. And then they have done all the research and they will tell you if anybody has died in that house. Wow. Yeah. It's diedinhouse.com. So if you guys want to check that out, if you're bored at work uh, at all this week, go ahead and and, uh, look that up. Plug in some addresses. Check out your own house. How shocked would you be? um, Ignorance is bliss. Right. I don't need to know. Right. Or buy new build like me. Anyway, guys, that is your uh, weird story to start your week off. And uh, we will see you next week. We have just been in Gettysburg. So we're going to fill you in on all of that wonderful goodness on this weekend's um, upcoming episode. Until then, stay safe out there because you never know who. Or what feet (laughs) are listening. (laughs) Bye, guys. Have the week you'll have. (laughs) 